I'm Marianne Kolbisak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Ben Siri, Vice President of Research at security firm Armis, about a recent discovery by the company's researchers of several security vulnerabilities that the firm claims impacts software used in almost every hospital across North America and Europe. So Ben, I understand that your researchers discovered remote code execution vulnerabilities in the pneumatic tube system, the TransLogic PTS system by Swisslog Healthcare, a logistics company. A PTS is used to deliver medications, blood products, and various lab samples across multiple departments of a hospital. So please describe the vulnerabilities your team identified and what could happen if these are exploited? So it's this hidden infrastructure, the pneumatic tube systems, that is literally within the walls of a hospital. Most of us don't really know about this and are not, are not aware to the fact that these systems are important and are actually crucial to having hospitals give the best patient care possible. And we learn about these systems from our research and just um, understood from it how much uh, hospitals rely on this system to deliver all kinds of items to the hospital. So you mentioned a few examples. The, maybe the most common use case for using pneumatic tube systems is uh, testing. So various specimens, various blood products, stuff like that are being delivered from all departments of the hospital to a central laboratory. Uh, and this can happen multiple times a day per patient. And it really is a highway of tests going through the departments to the labor- laboratories. And it is an essential piece in how patient care is being delivered today. And so that's one component, but there is also in many hospitals, the pharmacy is connected to the pneumatic tube system, and then uh, medicine is distributed from the pharmacy to all departments. Uh, Another use case is having the the blood bank in the hospital also connected to the network, and then blood units from the blood bank are shipped to operation rooms when they are needed. So it's all kinds of these applications. And um, today, hospitals use pneumatic pneumatic tube systems throughout the day, all hours of the day and night. So it's really something that they rely on and and is critical infrastructure within the hospital. And what we were able to find is nine vulnerabilities in the Nexus control panel. And this is the control panel that powers all current models of the Transogic PTS system. And the stations are these endpoints where you load carrier to the system, you, su- you choose a destination and, and the um, system would turn on the air pressure and all of that. And so the tube will go, up, go through the system. And so there are the endpoints. There are the point where you load and you receive carriers. And by gaining control over this station, an attacker can do a lot of harm. He can inter- interfere with the process of the carriers. He, he can change the destinations of where carriers should, should go. Uh, he can shut down the station completely. And eventually that can really be harmful to the operations of a hospital uh, and is a point where, where attackers can uh, try and leverage that position you know, for ransomware attacks or all kinds of things. So it sounds like these vulnerabilities not only impact performance of the PTS, but potentially could lead to ransomware spreading in other systems in an organization? So there's a potential for attackers using this system as a persistent position within the network and from it launching further attack. But there is also the potential of just using the system itself and attacking it for ransomware purposes. So for example, if an attacker were to compromise 
uh, all the pneumatic tube stations within the hospital, you can then choose to shut down the network of stations and lock down the access to the pneumatic tube system until a payout is made. So unlike a ransomware attack where files are encrypted on, on PCs and stuff like that, here an attacker can uh, take hostage the actual infrastructure of the hospital to deliver all kinds of goods until a payout is made. And, and it has there, there is the potential for this, first of all, because there isn't an, an alternative for hospitals, uh, a quick alternative to the pneumatic tube system. So if an attacker were to take the, uh, the network offline, hospitals would, would need to find manpower quickly and efficiently that can then transfer these items within hospitals. And hospitals can be very large with lots of, a lot of buildings. And it's something that, that doesn't perform as good or nearly as good as the use of the pneumatic tube system. So that's one enabler for uh, attacking this, this uh, system and uh, being able to, to do ransomware attack around it. The other portion is that one of the vulnerabilities that we found can enable an attacker to change the firmware code running on the, these stations uh, in a way that, that then uh, an upgrade process to remove whatever changes is done would require a manual access to the station and sort of a reprogramming of the station to stage, stage zero before the attacker was there. And so he can gain access to the station, he can shut down the system, would require uh, the hospital to use alternative methods, and then he can remain persistent on the station until, at least until manual process is done to remove the code that he's installed on the station. So then when it comes to these kinds of vulnerabilities that you found in the Swiss log PTS system, are these kinds of vulnerabilities also things that, you know, could be commonly found in other PTS systems or other sorts of medical devices, IoT, you know, infrastructure sort of equipment that's used in healthcare? Are these sort of common types of problems that often go either undiscovered or unmitigated or, you know, what, what's the status of this sort of thing? Yeah, so, so what, what we found here is that this system, although it, it, it's a critical infrastructure and it is tied to patient care, it is not considered a medical device because it's not directly responsible you know, for life support or anything of that nature. So it isn't regulated by the FDA, for example, and it's somewhere between departments. It's not part of the uh, critical OT-related devices, maybe stuff that's responsible for the elevators or uh, for electricity and stuff like that. It, it isn't considered a medical device, so it isn't uh, maintained and, uh, and looked at as carefully as these types of devices. And it's in the middle, but still impacting patient care. Uh, and actually, the type of vulnerabilities that we found to impact the system were very, very basic vulnerabilities, stuff that you would find in various IoT devices. So it has the maturity of an IoT device in terms of security, but it is acting with a critical function within a hospital. I would say that other pneumatic tube systems that we haven't analyzed might be impacted by similar vulnerabilities just by the fact that I would imagine they, that they have to didn't go through this process of being analyzed thoroughly, looking at the attack surface that they have. These systems traditionally came from a time where they were only analog components involved. They didn't connect to the network. And only in the last 10 years or so did they develop more features that require connectivity to the network and even internet connectivity in some cases. And that transition didn't come with redesign and rethinking of the security posture of the, the system and 
whether it can be targeted uh, through cyber attacks. Now, Ben, you mentioned there were several abilities that were found. Is there one that you kind of can describe that either um, sort of highlights how critical you know, this vulnerability is or maybe how common this sort of thing is in other sort of gear that's used in healthcare environments? I think I can focus on two. So on one hand, we found a couple of uh, what is called hard-coded passwords vulnerabilities. Essentially, the developer of the device uh, wanted to have some access to change and test the device in, uh, and while the device was, was being um, developed. And then that access would remain on the device unintentionally, but also in production. And using that type of... So if an attacker were to reverse engineer the firmware or find these hard-coded passwords, the same way that we've done, uh, then any access to the network uh, where these devices is installed can be enabled to log into these devices with the credential that that we we found and are are hard-coded on the device and through it actually getting root access. So being able to completely change whatever is run on the device in a permanent way until the manual fix uh, is available. So that's one problem which is common in IoT devices. So hardware passwords, even in switches and routers and Cisco type devices, developers tend to forget about this issue and and it sometimes ends up in production. And it is a very serious issue. So uh, it doesn't require sophisticated exploitation. It's not dependent on the version of the firmware or anything of that nature. It's simply a password that if you find it, and it's completely possible to find it, you can use it to take over the device essentially. So that's one group of problems which we did find here. And again, is, is a more is, is a common bug that we find in all, all kinds of systems. And the second one is just the fact that the firmware that's running on this device is not signed, is not encrypted, and isn't authenticated when, when a firmware upgrade process is being done. And this also ties to the fact that these systems traditionally were analog. And in analog systems, you don't necessarily, the, the code of the system is the hardware of the system. So that's how uh, you think about upgrades. You, you just don't think about it being a problem when you are in the mindset of an analog device. And when that becomes more sophisticated, the code now represents the hardware in a sense, but that does have the ability to change and, and not thinking about the ramifications of an, a firmware upgrade process being so unsecure does have serious implications security-wise. So it's also another way to gain control and take over these devices by manipulating the firmware upgrade process. But more severely, it is a way to maintain persistence on the device. You can you can break the device, or you can just uh, lock it uh, to be lock it in a way that only an attacker can maintain the device, and not the hospital or any other engineer that wants to. So it, it is a very serious threat because it's it it has these two halves of how do you deal with a cyber attack? How do you first take over a device and then how do you maintain persistence? And from the eyes of the defender, how do I block people from changing whatever runs on my sensitive devices? But then how do I also make sure that even if I detected something, how am I sure that I was able to get rid of it? So Ben, with all of that said, you know, what's your advice to entities that have this PTS system in their organization? Uh, is Swiss Log addressing the problems? What should the healthcare organizations do at this point? So first of all, uh, both Armis and Swiss Log are going to publish security advisories 
on August 2nd. And we do urge people that use these systems to have a read in these. We are going to include both Amherst and Swiss log mitigation steps that can be very helpful to making attacks much less likely. So it's not as good as patching these systems, which should also be done with due course. Um, but it is very important to follow mitigation steps. So limiting the access to these systems to only uh, certain dev devices, uh, network, network segmentation, access control list, firewall rules. There are many things that can be done on the network level that would make, make this attack much, much less feasible. And then the, th the second thing is obviously install the patch. So Spacelog is working and is going to release a patch very shortly. And uh, once that is available, hospitals should definitely take action and, and apply the patch. We know that doing so, applying the patch is not an easy process for these types of devices that are critical infrastructure. You need to take the infrastructure offline for a time when you do the upgrade. And again, this can create a challenge for hospitals, but the risk here is significant. And I think hospitals should, should uh, take this opportunity to see that uh, they um, better the security of these systems in, in their organizations. And finally, do these issues um, involve all of the Swiss log uh, PTS systems or is it you know, the older models? So it's actually all the current models are affected. There are also some older, so the, the, new, the current models are called uh, Nexus stations. There are a variety, variety of Nexus stations, but family of stations is called Nexus stations. And all of the, these are impacted. There are older models that are also IP connected uh, that are already end of support, end of life, which are also impacted. But, but if customers still have these, then what is Swisslog's recommendation is to upgrade to a newer system that, is, that has support. And there are systems that don't, that are, don't have IP connectivity, and these are actually not impacted just the fact they don't have IP connectivity, but they are not supported uh, as far as we are aware of right now. Thank you, Ben. I've been speaking to Ben Siri. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.